Well, welcome to another episode of the Coffee Roaster Warm-Up Sessions podcast. Friends, we're back at it. Episode, what is this, 96? 96? 95? 96. 96. Approaching episode 100 real quick. Um, just a shocking amount. Yeah. Uh, Stoked on it. We're going to try to get a Q&A session in by episode 100. Chances are it's going to be next week. So friends, if you're listening to this and you have some questions... Everything, coffee, roasting, brewing, um, business, life, uh, philosophy, anything, nothing's off the table. Go ahead and either uh, comment on the YouTube video, send us an Instagram DM, which is probably the best way to do it. You can email us as well, um, but kind of everything goes and we'll try to get to all the questions. So um, send in your questions, folks. But anyways, let's pour some batchy. Uh, let's get into this. I can't stop thinking about those bun crafts. That was, those are fun. We yeah. just did a little pop-up with uh, a local nonprofit called Northwest Youth Services. They do some amazing work. And so they had like a little luncheon or little event, fundraising event. And so we got to serve some coffee on there. Uh, served some Jorge Mendez Gua and some Wilmer Castillo Gua as well, uh, which was super tasty at all. Yeah, um, it was a good time, but we kind of had to use, uh, we did manual pours yeah. or hand pours. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also used some, uh, uh, a drip coffee maker that was already there. And it was like the most classic bond, like, like think like, uh, this might be a little too much, but think like early 2000s, late 90s bun brewer at the diner with mm-hmm. those nice like classic iconic round carafes it was just beautiful yeah. and one of them had that even had an orange nozzle on the top that was incredible like yeah. that, that just yeah yeah decaf oh, oh. signifier yeah oh that was crazy i didn't yeah, realize yeah, that yeah. but that makes sense yeah, yeah wow it's classic uh definitely threw me off considering that you pour water in the top and then it goes through the heating element and just starts brewing right away. So yeah. water is not like not up to temp. We had to warm it up a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. So you have yeah. to wait until the coils are Hot. heated up. Yeah. And then once they get to a point, then you can, I know it kind of makes it easier because mm-hmm. you just dose out, you know, your dose and you know, all the water is going through right over the basket. Um, but it's probably not the best, but it was just tricky because then you have to adjust grind size to make sure it doesn't clog and make sure that it doesn't uh, overfill the basket. So I mean, you nailed got lucky. it. Yeah. You nailed it. You got lucky. The grind yeah. size was decent. I mean, the coffee was great. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. So. Ooh, the back end is nice. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Exactly. Literally, right when you said that, that's yeah. exactly what I was thinking. Like uh, dried fruit, cherry on the back end. I don't know if it's slightly under extracted. I don't mm. think so. Yeah, I did throw you for a curveball. You still dosed 800 grams of water. Yeah. I did a 60 gram dose. As opposed to a 50? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it worked out. Mm-hmm. I think this is a really. It's a little thick. It's like I, heavy. I like it. I mean, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine with it. I'm yeah. a fan. Oh, man. That back end is very nice. The aftertaste lingers for a long time with a lot of nice heavy sweetness. 
dried fruit. Yeah, the the back end's really nice. It's mm-hmm. it's not it's not super like intense on the front front end. Yeah. On the front end, it tastes. I don't know if that's a brewing thing or a roasting thing, a coffee yeah. thing, but on the front end, it's a little, um, for lack of better terms, just a little weak in flavor. Yeah. Um, you're you're getting you're still getting a little bit of, um, like a sweeter like a sweet acidity on the front end, mm-hmm. just a little bit. Um, but it's not like super intense or it's like a green apple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like nice tartness, but it's a little big. Yeah, the tartness it, itself is like big. It's not doesn't have like much fl- flavor, and the tartness is just kind of like a punchy green apple. Yeah, it also tastes. Um, I could be wrong. It tastes a little mm. hollow. Like especially in that in that taste in that on the front end, mm-hmm. like that the the first seventy percent before you get to the back end first 70 yeah. percent it feels like a almost like a balloon where it's blown up but mm-hmm. it, it's it's lacking rich essence and i'm not sure if that's could be because it's or maybe it's mm-hmm. over extracted well, or it could be a roast half you know for a six gram dose so and there's so. not enough water i don't know so it could be knows? yeah it could, could be either or yeah could be that but um that being said, I mean, I think we're getting better on our brews. A <laughs> hundred episodes deep, and yeah. we're finally nailing uh, the batch brew uh, recipes, and it's tasting decent. Uh, this is a Colombian coffee. Mm-hmm. It's called La Reserva. Reserva, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I like the back end a lot. Yeah, That's coming coming to us from uh, Canberra Coffee, local co- coffee roasting company mm-hmm. here. Um, they're killer. They're huge. Mm-hmm. They're great. Um, so yeah. This is a fellow drops coffee, so it's a tasty little gift. Big shout out to Christian over at Camber for uh, bringing a bag, allowing me to enjoy this coffee. It's nice. Yeah, definitely like a green apple tart mm-hmm. going on. So I don't know what they have on the flavor notes, but it's an anaerobic honey. Whoa. Yeah, an anaerobic honey. Yeah, did not expect that. The, I mean. I'm glad you didn't tell me until now. Yeah. I would never have guessed. Like, never. That's really, that's actually really cool. Yeah. Um, Notes of huckleberry, plum, cinnamon, anise, and creme brulee. Nice. Uh, it needs a little more acidity, I think, in yeah. that, in, in those flavor notes. But yeah. regardless, solid solid, solid coffee. Yeah, so. A little uh, favor of yours, a little spice on the back end. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, God. not that kind of spice. <laughs> Definitely not that kind. Of, no, I'm not thinking no, of cinnamon any. anise. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Nice, sweet. Well, folks, um, we had a, a YouTube comment come in a couple weeks ago uh, from someone who uh, asked about how do you keep inventory of your green? How do you take an account? Um, how do you do a, like accounting for your green inventory? Um, especially with seasonality, especially with, I mean, managing different wholesale accounts. You know, one day you could have 15, 20 wholesale accounts one day and then five of them could leave and then all of a sudden you don't get that back for a couple mm-hmm. months. All of a sudden that, you know, if you're expecting a lot of that green to move, uh, it gets a little difficult, you know? Um, and so also if you're trying to serve the freshest coffee um, and keep it within a specific time frame, because mm-hmm. We all know coffee, uh, uh, coffee, qual- 
maybe not quality. Oh yeah, coffee. I guess coffee quality degrades over time. It's just like every fruit. So if you're roasting a coffee, um, you know, six months after harvest, chances are it's it's probably going to taste really lively, really Mm -hmm. sweet, juicy, and big. And then all of a sudden, you know, if you're getting into like a year past harvest, a year and a half, your coffee is going to degrade quite significantly. Uh, And so that's when coffee starts to taste a little flat, a little dull, uh, not as lively, not as in your face. Mm -hmm. Um, You might see, you know, sweetness lower a little bit and stuff like that. You can't recover with a a good roast. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the scary part. Yeah. And so how do you manage like having enough green for the whole year until, you know, the next harvest comes from that farm or from that origin? Uh, while also not over leveraging mm-hmm. and under leveraging um, how much you're gonna buy, yeah. uh, and that's that's a that's a tricky dance. I think that's probably one of the more difficult things of uh, being a green coffee buyer. Mm-hmm. Um, as a you know, of course, on top of that, you want to make sure you're buying coffees that are tasty, that are according to your menu preferences and yeah. taste taste preferences. But uh, b- before we get into that, we'll get into that a little bit more in our experience with that. Um, Serge, what would you say? Would you, if you had to choose one or the other, mm. would you rather buy too much green or not enough green? Wow. <clears throat> I think too much green because it challenges you then to sell it. Oh, that's fair. You know? That's fair. I think we've, <laughs> ha- we've had the experiences with not enough green. Those were not fun. Um, yeah, that's because fair. I would rather have too much green and deal with that personally rather than have to, especially when you have a standing wholesale account and have to tell them that, Hey, like we don't have a coffee for you. That is way more disappointing than being like crap. Like I need to find another wholesale account so I can sell more of this coffee. Yeah. And uh, neither of them are easy to deal with, mm-hmm. but I think that I'd rather be the challenge of, hey, we need more wholesale accounts, then we don't have enough coffee to fulfill the accounts that we do have. That's my opinion. Also, because like sourcing coffee is very hard. Mm-hmm. And if you have too much of a good coffee, I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, the only issue is sales, right? Yeah. But when you can't find a good coffee, then that's when all of the choices and all of the difficult decisions have to be made. And it's way too difficult to make those on the fly. Yeah. There's all, I mean, there's also the difficulty of, you know, when you have too much of a good coffee, well, at some point that coffee is going to not taste not as good. good. Yeah. So then you're running into like, do you sell the wholesale account some slightly aged green? Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you maneuver that yeah. conversation? Um, and, I, I, and it's 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 difficult there's yeah. there's really no easy way it's kind of like hey man would you rather freeze to death or yeah. you know die in the desert life. you know yeah. or yeah <laughs> it's like i don't i don't want any of them sorry <laughs> this is horrible yeah uh and so you know i would actually and this is good i'm glad you said that because i would actually argue the other way around mm-hmm. because i think the good thing with buying not enough green in my opinion i think um is that you get coffee and you're serving it at peak quality, mm-hmm. at peak tastiness, and the customers or the people who are buying from you, whether that's people, you know, the folks, you guys buying it offline or wholesale accounts that we mm-hmm. have, um, they're getting 
the most delicious thing that you can probably offer with your roasting style, with your skill set, with you know everything that mm-hmm. you did to get that coffee into the door. That's that's kind of where I'm sitting. But you're right because at some point we did have a time. This was especially during you know the pandemic a couple of years back where you know warehouses were really running out of coffee. We were reaching mm-hmm. out to a few of our partners and they were like, "Sorry, we don't have." anything and what they did have truly wasn't wasn't great mm-hmm. you know and so that was not fun because at some point you might be left with uh really one coffee on your menu which may not fit for everyone and you're you're stuck so it's almost yeah yeah, yeah. so it, it's it's challenging yeah i i definitely think it's okay well it's it's not okay from a business perspective yeah all like when either you have too much or too little, that's not great for business. Mm-hmm. But from serving guests, I am okay with running out of green on our website. What complete? What my biggest struggle is is running out of green for our wholesale partners, right? Because they're they're running cafes, right? You know, they're serving coffee to guests. And it's a different story when you kind of can't fulfill the demand for a wholesale partner rather than you just mark a coffee sold out. Right. And sometimes that's all they're serving in the cafe. Right. Yeah. And which means like, dude, now you're putting them in a bad spot, which is not great. And they're scrambling to find something, Mm -hmm. you know, that it's, you know, and that's, and that's a difficulty is like, then you're scrambling just like they're scrambling to find a roaster. I mean, when you don't have enough green also you're scrambling to find, you know, yeah. some green coffee. So, um, let's pivot a little bit and think about like, how do you, how do you combat that? Mm-hmm. You know? And one thing I think that we are now considering more than anything is thinking about harvests from the different origins that we buy coffee from. Mm-hmm. So some of our coffee, like our menu usually for the most part looks like we have a Guatemalan coffee usually all the time. Uh, I mean, this past year we've had a lot of Colombians, and we have we try to have like an African coffee in there as well, mm-hmm. and then we'll for a limited time you know we'll have an Indonesian coffee. Mm-hmm. And so what harvest looks like for us is that uh, Guatemalans are usually landing you know midsummer to mid um, to kind of mid fall, almost mm-hmm. going into the the winter. Um, so those are kind of like when fresh harvests are landing. Um, of course, that might be sooner um, depending on you know, logistics and stuff like that. And then you have Ethiopians that are landing late spring, early summer, midsummer. Mm-hmm. Um, you're getting them late summer at the roastery. So that's when usually our peak, you know, flavor, uh, peak flavor, peak freshness mm-hmm. coming in with those origins. And then you have Indo, uh, Indonesian coffees that uh, for us, this always has been landing one, like uh, probably like right February, now March. transit. Yeah. yeah. It, Technically, Brett said it should be February, but I think this year delayed because they chose right. a different route. So it'll be like April. And that's something yeah. you also have to figure out is what happens when, you know, you may have forward booked green at mm-hmm. peak freshness, but then what happens when, you know, logistics ports slow down and all of a sudden now, yeah. you know, an extra month or two could mean you just went through three sacks of your last coffee and that needs to be here like now, yeah. you know? And so, um, one thing with keep with how we keep in mind with some green coffee buying is we take these 
Um, and Columbia is also nice because they almost have two harvests. Right. So you can almost take advantage of that to um, kind of pack out your menu throughout the year. But mostly we're thinking, like, especially with our Guatemalans that are hot sellers, we're mm-hmm. thinking, how do we buy enough at peak freshness, the best coffees, so that they last us a whole and entire year, so that when we're running out, mm-hmm. we're, we have maybe like a month gap or maybe no gap before the next coffees goes in and then, and then things are tasting just yep. as great, you know? Um, and we need that to last us the entire year. And so we're calculating, okay, how did we do last year? And then how how are we projecting to go next year? And projecting is hard because um, you can't, you, it's it's not always 100%. You're just, right. it's, you're really just doing an educated guess. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And with that said, you're also thinking processing methods yes. and how that fits in your menu, but also how they degrade over time. So you need to consider that. You should mention uh, what, what happened with our guats. Um, which ones? The Max uh, Perez one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our little deciding factor yeah. on that. Yeah. So we had two Gemlot coffees from Guatemala and one, like I absolutely loved. I was just like, man, this coffee just slaps it's not extremely boozy but it's got this kind of wild flavor to it and then the other coffee was lighter semi reminded us of like a gesha but not exactly it but complex uh and at the end of the day the two were completely different processing one was a natural and one was a washed Mm -hmm. and because of the price of both of those coffees they weren't cheap coffees and yeah. because this was only our second time buying a gem lot, right? Or first? Second time. Second time. Um, we still are trying to define that market and who's willing mm-hmm. to pay what price for a Guatemalan coffee. Right. So it would have been a very big risk buying a coffee like a natural that technically will degrade much quicker than a wash. Yes. I'm not going to throw out any like numbers here because I don't know exactly. But it will degrade quicker than a wash. Yeah. And if we can't move it at a certain price point, it would be very risky for us to buy a coffee, yes. even though like I really, really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other coffee I still enjoyed, it was just an easier yes than the other one. Yeah. And that's something that, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as, you know, you might enjoy, you know, those naturals, whether that's from Ethiopia or whatever, that's something you have to keep in mind: is how fast is that going to move, mm-hmm. and is it going to be is it, is it going to taste good on the last day that you serve it? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's just really challenging. And I think, I think, looking forward, you need to be able to a try to do your best to estimate how much are you going to move forward through, how fast is that going to go through. You know how uh, how successful is your business? Is it growing? Are you mm-hmm. stagnant? Um, is it decreasing? Um, and then buy green accordingly, while also keeping into consideration those uh, those peaks of freshness. Mm-hmm. And so you have to balance is like, and it's it's not just about you know getting at peak freshness. You also want to buy enough for it to last you until mm-hmm. you know the next harvest or. Um, or maybe you have, you know, or maybe you're fulfilling a certain flavor profile yeah, on your menu. Exactly. You need to figure out, okay, how long is this going to coffee last me? And then if that goes away, how do I replace that for guests or people who are buying your coffee so that you can fill that gap? You know, like we've always talked about, like, we always want to have at least one, like, 
you know, interesting, big, like natural on mm-hmm. our menu. Okay, so, you know, if the Ethiopia is going to get sold out by this time, that we don't necessarily have to go back to Ethiopia. We can just find something else. Mm-hmm. But then now you have to think about that. Yeah. So either you buy a year's worth of natural from mm-hmm. Ethiopia or you buy six months and then expect to rebuy something else for the next six months. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Sometimes when you're buying in smaller time frames, it may be, um, it may be, it may, it may, you may decrease the amount of risk that you have, right? Because you're not sitting on the same coffee, you have to sell through less. However, the other risk is that you can sell out of a coffee and then you have to do twice as much work to source coffee again, to go through the copying process. You have to go through this, through that. And chances are, who knows how long it's going to take you to right. replace that coffee. Yeah. Um, how long has, does it take usually? when we sell out of a coffee, how long does it take to replace that coffee um, in terms of the moment that we start thinking about it to the moment that it's dialed in, roasted, and ready to be shipped? Yeah, I think four weeks would be like mega quick. That would mean everyone is like on par. Like as soon as we order samples, we get them within like five days. We roast them, we cup them within 10 days. And then we put in an order and get a coffee within two weeks and start dialing in. Hopefully there's a coffee in in those five, 10 samples. That's a banger. Hopefully. Yeah. So four weeks is like super fast in my opinion. Um, but I think realistically with printing labels, mm-hmm. with dropping a coffee, it's closer to six to eight weeks of turnaround time. Oh, eight gosh. weeks is also long, but yeah. I would say six weeks is like kind of that sweet spot. Um, but I, I think also mentioning what you said earlier is if, if I had a, if I had a choice of like running out of our classic staple wash coffees mm-hmm. or running out of a natural that we kind of featured, I would rather run out of a natural because we sold it at peak and keep those coffee reoccurring wash coffees that are staples and not have a natural on our uh, menu. I'm totally like, okay with that. I'd rather be that than have a bunch of these like smaller lauded naturals that have degraded really quick and we're trying to move them, but not have our staple wash coffee. Right. So I think yes. with that's the mindset then then I approach with buying the quantity of green mm-hmm. because I'm like I will overcompensate on a wash coffee and be like, you know, we'll find somewhere to move it. That's fine. That's a coffee that most people like. But to then move a coffee that's like bonkers in flavor and way too wild and expensive is much harder. And mm-hmm. I'd rather sell all that co- coffee quick. Yeah. So that that those are the things. And then as soon as we're receiving those samples, that's literally when I'm cupping coffees, I know you and I have talked like, hey, we need to replace X coffee and we're looking for this flavor profile and we're cupping with that in mind already. But then when we start doing the numbers, we're also looking at our bank account because we have to forecast our finances yes. to make sure there's a nice ebb and flow of money coming in and money mm-hmm. going out. So then it becomes a strictly business decision in how much we can buy. 100 wow that one yeah you just gave a handful i think of really practical tips for those looking for it and it's it's a lot of um it's a lot of things happening at the same time you're you know you're you're thinking about seasonality you're thinking about processing you're thinking about uh, how much coffee do you currently have um you're thinking about 
how much are you selling going through? And then you're also now throwing in this curveball of what's in your bank account? How much money do you have? Do you have maybe potentially other investments you want to invest in? Say you want to buy, you know, you want to buy a second roaster. So you kind of need to, doesn't mean stop buying green, but you kind of want to conserve a little bit and maybe spread that out in a certain way that Mm -hmm. gives you more leverage with your finances to do something else. All of that has a lot to do with um, how you're looking, you know, how, how, how you're buying green really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, a big one I think is for sure you need to think about how long it takes you. And, uh, before I go there first, I want to say is like a lot of these things are very personal and preferential. Yeah. Like this is the way mirror does it. This is the way yeah. we think about it. This mm-hmm. is why we lean maybe towards wash coffees a little more. Mm-hmm. This is why this, this, why that it may not be for, you know, for a brand like, I mean, throwing out like proud mary push pull yeah who are heavy on you know naturals and everything else they have a whole different system in my in place Mm -hmm. that allows them to to grow and scale specifically their kind of infrastructure and their preferences that's not for us so if you're listening to this and you're like man but i love naturals hey that's that's totally great just keep these things in mind. You just have to play the chess moves a little differently right. so that you can win at the end of the day, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think also that that's uh, figuring out how long it takes you from the day that you buy, you order samples to the moment that your coffee gets released. I think that period is, you really have to figure out what that looks like for you. Mm-hmm. Because I know for me or for us, um, sometimes, yeah, it, it, it sounds weird, but sometimes it takes six weeks. Because if you think about like, takes one week to order samples, roast, sample roast and cup. Let's say that doesn't taste good, which not always your first round goes, actually most of the time not. Mm-hmm. Second round takes another week, so that's two weeks already. Let's say you decide to order it. That's probably a week of shipping. You're at three weeks now. Yep. Your old green inventory is still moving. Yep. And you're you just put in an order. So let's mm-hmm. say, you know, on the third week, the end of the third week, you got your coffee. Let's say on the fourth week, you run a couple of batches. Roasts aren't tasting too hot. Right. You go back, you're at four and a half, end of the fourth week. You roast another batch, you cup, you're at five weeks. Yeah. You have your flavor notes, all your coffee information. Yeah. You're editing the label. Exactly. You ship it off to the label. By the time you get that back... Uh, you get your order back. It's six weeks, six yeah, and a half weeks. Exactly. And then, yeah. you know. And photos for the website. Photos for the website, yeah, a little marketing. update. Yeah. End of six weeks. And that's literally the release of your coffee. Yeah. And so um, that's 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 a long process. Yeah. You know, and so that's why you have to play the, um, w- weigh out the odds of like, do you want to buy only three months of this coffee? Because you're going to, you're yeah. pretty much... Like, you know, you get a good coffee and you only have three months worth of it. You have to think about like, oh, you have to start sourcing again in, yeah. in three weeks. Yeah. And if you bought like three <laughs> or four sacks, your operating costs just skyrocketed yes. on that coffee. Yes. Because you invested so much time and money to basically mm-hmm. uh, prepare three sacks of this coffee. When if you would have bought like a whole pallet of that coffee, you spend the same amount of time. 100%. You know, so there, there's a lot of like... A lot of things going on when you're trying to make that decision and especially we've had times where we've had about 20 samples on the table um we cup them 
round one, we pick our top five. Mm-hmm. Then many times you've re-roasted them like three different ways. Yes. So then we take five times three bowls. So now we're cupping 15 bowls mm-hmm. and trying to see, oh, there was this in that coffee. So now a coffee that we might've like rated number one falls down to number three. Yeah. And the 100%. other coffee, because we changed up the roast now tastes so much better. Um, and then we recup it again and then we boil it down to like, you know, one or two coffees and then mm-hmm. make a business call on it. Um, so like it really depends because if you're having to sort through that many samples and that many rounds it sometimes takes any much longer. It's almost weird to think that that's how long it takes. So as we wrap this up, um, maybe you want to, uh, share a little bit about why it might be healthy to forward book. Mm hmm with either the same producer preferably um yeah why why is it important to forward book from the same producer from the same farm um year over year over year how does that help you and how may be a little challenging but Mm -hmm. what what are the perks of that because we've been doing that for actually for most of mirror which is awesome but um there it's it's helped us a lot anyways yeah Yeah, definitely start with how it feels for the producer. I mean, you know that firsthand right now after talking to Jorge. Um, I've talked to Brett on the regular and mm-hmm. it one, there's security for the producer one. They know Mirror Coffee Roasters is buying X amount of bags mm-hmm. that is gonna be sold. There's that security. For us, there's also security. We yes. know that there's a guarantee and there's a promise that this coffee is gonna arrive. So there's security both ways. That is super helpful to laying out the menu for the rest of the year. So you are actually like, we still cup when we receive the samples Mm -hmm. to confirm the coffee for sure. We're still QCing the coffee. It's not like we don't, but it gives that kind of plan layout. It's already set for sure. And I think the other thing is also like pricing that changes the pricing because we fulfill, we uh, commit to a contract beforehand that helps us negotiate Mm -hmm. pricing, which is great. And also, um, I think those those are the two main ones. You know, in this talk with how do you keep inventory, um, the, the nice thing with, for example, our Guatemalans, we're buying close to about a year in advance, so until next harvest. Mm-hmm. So when we sign that contract with, you know, our importing connections, friends, and with those, you know, we're sourcing coffee usually from the same producer in Guatemala, we already have... We're, we have, we have some security in, okay, this, how much it's going to cost us. There are no, Hey, you go, you start sourcing and, um, prices are at a certain yeah mark, you know, like when you sign the contract, you're saying, Hey, it's going to be this much cost and I'm buying this many bags. So all of a sudden now your whole year, like it feels really, really nice to not have to worry about Guatemalan's coffees yeah. for the rest of the year. For sure. We might have to revisit that, you know, a little later when things inventory starts to subside a little bit but that's nice all of a sudden now um we also forward book our uh indonesian coffees so our sulawesi desatoljuke we know is going to come february marchish you know so back in december when we're forecasting like around our launch we're like oh man how long is this going to last we're like oh well this coffee is going to like our uh, Wilmer Castillo, the Margo Gipe is going to sell out. What are we going to do there? And you realize, oh, wait, that's when the Indo land. Yeah, perfect. And then all of a sudden you're like, now I can take a yeah. breather. I don't have to go rush and fit that six-week yeah. mark. You know, like yeah. there's so many perks to that 
The difficulty with forward booking, you know, if you overbook, then you might be in yeah. a little bit of a pickle. Um, but needless to say, it takes a lot of weight off your shoulders if you know you have uh, parts of your year of your menu completely taken care of ahead of time. Now you just worry about how do you do? How do you store your coffee correctly? How do you, how you know? Can you roast your coffee well? Um, all all the all the other stuff. And so uh, there's a lot of good things yeah. about forward booking and just. Um, committing to tasty coffee so yeah and especially if you're just beginning with a roasting company you're in the first couple of years um you're developing that routine mm-hmm. so I, I wouldn't stress about that yeah. but once once you have kind of a ebb and flow routine going you kind of know how much of what coffee is selling then you can start making those commitments so definitely don't overcommit. like yeah. that's not especially if you're you don't have enough brand identity to where you can move things like don't be overzealous yes but also start planning on like hey like i like this producer i connect with this person i want to start building that relationship so start building those conversations and those connections in the long run they will pay off yeah and you don't always have to you know go as far as yeah if you're you know smaller you're not ready to commit and sign contracts and all Mm -hmm. this stuff you can always literally just know hey their coffee, they work with this importer and their coffee should be in seasonality during harvest. Yeah. You can always send your importer an email and be like, hey, I really enjoyed last year's crop. Can you just send me samples when it arrives to the States? Yeah. That's literally all it takes. Mm-hmm. But the nice thing about that is usually, um, not 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 always, but usually uh, the flavor profile is also similar enough mm-hmm. where, you know, if you're trying to fit a flavor uh you know, a part of your menu, now that also helps. So not only yeah. are you uh, scoring on having inventory, but now you can kind of almost depend on a decent flavor profile. So yeah, exactly. um, yeah. Good. but that's how we do it. Doesn't mean that's how everybody needs mm-hmm. to do it. Take it with a grain of salt, you know, compare that with your own system and infrastructure and all that yeah. stuff. So anyways, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Coffee Roaster Warm Up Sessions podcast. Um, if you're, you know, if you're still listening, thank you. Uh, please submit some questions for the Q&A episode next week. Um, please, uh, the more questions, the merrier. It should be, it should be a good time. Um, but that being said, folks, thank you so much for listening. And as always, as we always wrap this up with, reflect with... Whoa. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. That's uh... <laughs> Sorry, folks. I'm going to do that again. As always, friends, remember, reflect what's good. Oh, gosh. Woo. I don't know.